before you sit down, grab your Bibles and we'll go to the book of 1 Corinthians. I just thought I would catch you because I know some of you, when you sit down, it's hard to get back up. Amen? I mean, I'm glad Connie was honest, but uh, it's, it's hard for me, so I know it's hard on some of you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and we're going to read the first five verses of that chapter. So when you arrive there, would you please say amen? Did you enjoy Brother Marcus Stevens last week? I thought he did a good job, and uh, his heart's in the ministry, and he's given up a lot of things to go work over there, so continue to pray for Brother Marcus. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 1 says this. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And God, I thank you for the good spirit that we've already felt. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for being here with us this morning. God, as, I, as we go into the, the message, God, I just pray that you would help. Lord, that you would have your way this morning, God, that you would speak to people. And God, that you would help them to understand what you would have them to this morning. God, that you would open hearts. And God, that you would open people's minds to your word this morning. And, and Lord, that it would be nothing that I say or do, but God, everything that is done, Lord, we will glorify you for it. God, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech to preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach this message with an assumption this morning. And, and I don't like assuming things. You know, sometimes you assume things and they're not true. Would you agree with that statement? I mean, I, I'll tell you what I assumed one time, and, and this is kind of embarrassed embarrassing that, that I went to a church, went to church with a guy for a lot of years, and I assumed his hair was real, and guess what? It wasn't. And so when I said something to him about his barber one day, that was rather embarrassing, but I won't get into that. So uh, assumptions are dangerous sometimes, but I'm going to assume this morning that you believe that there is a God. Would you say amen to that? I'm not here this morning to try to convince you that there is a God because uh, uh, I'll do that maybe in another message. But this morning I'm just going to assume that you believe in God. Now the thing about that is, and, and not that there's a problem with that, but I would say if there is a problem in our belief in God, it's that we all have a different idea of who God is and what God is. Would you agree with that? Because we all have our own perspectives. We all have our own uh, beliefs and, and the way we see things is different. I can, I can look at any individual in this room and, and you know I see them from this perspective and then somebody else looks at them and they see them from a different perspective and that's just how our minds work. And so I would say if, if I sat down with everybody in this room and, and just ask you what your uh, idea of, of what God is and who He is, I would say that we would all have just a little bit different perspective. But I want to tell you this morning that, that no matter what you, you see God as, I think at the end of the day that we see God 
just a little bit too small. Would you say amen? Now, I'm going to preach to you from this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, he says that he came not with excellency of speech or wisdom. And then he says that, that he's declaring unto us just, just Jesus. He's declaring Jesus. See, what the Apostle Paul was having trouble with in the Corinthian church, and I know this is going to be hard for some people to believe, but they, they tended to like certain preachers over other preachers. Now, how many of you here this morning have a favorite preacher? And, and I'm not saying it's me, okay, but how many of you just, when I say, you, you know, my favorite preacher, I'll tell you who it is, is Adrian Rogers. Anybody know who Adrian Rogers is? I mean, that guy right there was anointed of God, and he was an awesome preacher. But some of you probably say, well, he bores me to death. Some of you may say, hey, my favorite preacher is, is, uh, is, is Charles Stanley down in Atlanta. Some of you may say he's your favorite preacher. Lord forbid, some of you might say Jimmy Swaggart is your favorite preacher. You know, I don't know, but he might very well be. Who knows? But at the end of the day, this was a problem that the Apostle Paul was dealing with. See, in, in the previous chapter, and, and, and I won't read it, and I'm not going to read much into it because I've, I've got a lot, of, a lot of things to give you this morning. But in the previous chapter, they were, they were arguing. And Paul said, you know, some of you say that I'm of Paul. So some of the Corinthian church, they would go over here and they would get in Paul's camp. And they say, you know what, the Apostle Paul, he is my favorite preacher. And then on the other hand, there were some people that, that said, you know what, there's this guy named Apollos. And he's an awesome preacher. And I like Apollos' preaching better. And then some people would say, you know what, Peter is the best preacher because he was with Jesus. And so that they thought Peter was superior to, to Paul or Apollos. And what I said was to say this, that the Apostle Paul is, is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 that it's not about the preacher. Amen? It's not about the teacher. Some of you probably can think back over your Christian lives in church as you've grown up, and some of you have probably had a teacher that was awesome. Amen? That just, that just knew the Word of God, that could just, that could just spit out wisdom just, just like, like anything. And then some of you can think back and you can think of people that had no business being in a Sunday school room. Amen? Teaching kids or teaching adults or teaching somebody and we tend to favor those people. But I want you to understand that this morning, that, that what the Apostle Paul is saying, it, it's not about the preacher, it's not about the teacher, it's about God. Now, I love to read about the Apostle Paul. I love to read his words. In fact, he wrote, uh, depending on how you believe, either 12 or 13 books that we have in the New Testament, the called epistles. And, and I love to read those, and that's where we get our church doctrine, and that's where we find much that we believe is from the Apostle Paul's writings. But even the Apostle Paul himself says that he did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I want you to understand something about the Apostle Paul. Most historians and most Bible scholars believe that he had the equivalent of what today would be three doctorate degrees. Now, just out of curiosity, does anybody in here have a doctorate degree? Anybody at all? Anybody working on a doctorate degree? I know we've got some college students here this morning. Any of y'all working on a doctorate back there in that corner? Any of you want to try? Okay, so she wants to try. Lauren Matlock wants to try to get her doctorate. It's a lot of work, okay? The Apostle Paul had this equivalent of three doctorates. And he was so well studied in the Scripture that, that most people would say that he could probably quote entire chapters of the Old Testament, of the Torah. And he could quote all these things, and he knew all these things. But you know what he said? He did not come in 
wisdom. Now, I'm not trying to take the, 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 the spotlight off of smart people this morning, okay? But I want you to understand this. He said in verse number 4 that his speech and his preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. See, you know the reason that we like a lot of the preachers and teachers that we like is because they have enticing words. Would you say amen? They just say things that we like to hear. They just they say things and we agree with them, and, and it sounds good. And, and let me tell you this, as, as a pastor, that I'm, I try to be very careful in what I preach. I'm not, all, I'm not the best preacher. You can say amen to that, but I always try to give the truth. I, and and I'm not, I, I don't try to dress it up. I'm not trying to believe any, get you to believe anything outside of the Word of God. But at the end of the day, it's not about me anyways. It is about God. And so here's what we've done. is in our churches, and, and I'm circling back around to get to the point here, that we get to verse number 5. And Paul says that he did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but he came in demonstration of spirit and of power. And then here's the message this morning, verse number 5. I had never even paid attention to this verse, just read over the top of it. But this is a very profound verse. This could be somebody's life verse. He says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith is standing in something this morning. Remember, we're assuming this morning that you believe in God. Amen. That's our assumption this morning in this service is that you believe that there is a God. And, and so if you believe that there is a God, then that means you have to have just a little bit of faith. Did you know that? You have to have a little bit of faith to believe that there is a God. But let me tell you this, that what we've done, and, and, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, is that I have, I have sort of gotten this idea of God and, and sometimes what I do is I minimize him down to what I know about him. You know the Bible uh, from front to back gives us many of the attributes of God. It gives us and shows us many of the things that God has done. And so we all, through the scripture and through preaching and through teaching, we all have this idea of what God is and who God is. But one of the things that I've seen and, and, and that I've, I've recently been studying a book and reading on it, and the, and the guy brought out a wonderful point, and, and I'll just, just tell you what it is. He said that most people, this is what the guy said, he said most people's idea of God is that he is a little bit bigger than us. He is a little bit smarter than us. And he is a little bit more powerful than us. That's our, our idea sometimes. Is that we look at God and we minimize God. But he said that we need to be putting our faith not in what we know. The wisdom of man. He's not even talking about you know, the amount of, of education you have. But just what you can know. But he says that we put our faith in the power of God. If there's anything that we need our faith to be in right now. It is the power of God. Amen. You know what the wisdom of men will get you? It will get you confused and you will be disappointed if you put your faith in men. You know, the wisdom of men, uh, I, was, I was reading and I was, I've been studying this message for two weeks and because Brother Marcus preached and, and I got to, got to reading into some things that people thought at one time was a good idea. The, you want to hear an example of the wisdom of men? Would you all like to hear that? 
back in the day, back when Albert was a young man, actually, uh, when George Washington was still alive. I'm just kidding, Brother Albert. <laughs> you know what George Washington died of? Anybody know? He died of bloodletting. You know what bloodletting is? It's where you're sick and a doctor thinks it's a good idea to start draining your blood out of you. Now, how many of you today think that that's a good idea? Nobody, right? Nobody in this room would say, hey, that's smart. But, but in, in the late 1700s, they thought, hey, this is smart. We'll just start draining people's blood. You know what that is? That is the wisdom of men. Just as recently, I read this, and it, and it really just kind of blew my mind when I read this, that in the 1940s, 1946, this doctor named Walter Freeman, he was, he was one of the lead men in the medical field. He came up with this idea. He said, hey, people are getting depressed. This is in 1946, okay? He said, people are getting depressed. And he said, I have the solution for depression. And you know what it was? He said, we can take an ice pick and we can jam it in their eye socket to their brain and that'll cure their depression. Now, I'm not making that up. You can, you, can, you can check it out. You know what that is? It's foolish, amen? That's the wisdom of men. And so we, we, a lot of times, so now a lot of you are nervous about going to the doctor, right? Because you're thinking, hey, they're going to come up with something better than what I'm dealing with right now. And so medicine, it's always advancing, amen? I mean, even some of you can think back to back when you were younger, how much medicine has advanced. And, and we think about uh, uh, in, the, in the college world about how we thought things several years ago and they've been proved wrong. And the wisdom of men is always subject to to change and if you put your faith in a man you're probably going to be sorely disappointed but you know what has never changed and what will never change is the power of God amen how big is God <clears throat> if I ask you that question I, and I said how big is God and you would say well I, I don't know how to explain it I don't know how to articulate it. I don't know how to put in words just how big God is. Who considers themselves to be the smartest person in here? Anybody brave enough to raise their hand to that? <laughs> Nobody would. Tanner, come on, buddy. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you all an illustration. Is that okay with everybody if I give you an illustration of the power of God? I'm going to give you an illustration of the power of God this morning. Tanner is a lieutenant in your uh, local EMS, right? He's, a, he's an ambulance driver. <laughs> he is, he is a, a paramedic, and he is good at his job, and uh, he's wonderful. He's a smart guy. Been to, been to school. And, and being a smart guy, you know Tanner would know what to do with this, wouldn't he? Everybody know what this is? Everybody see what this is? That's Play-Doh, okay? Walmart's got it on sale for 50 cents if you need to know that. And I'm going to give this to Brother Tanner. And I want you to do something for me, Tanner. This is childproof. I want you to take this piece of Play-Doh. And I want you to make me a little man out of it. Okay? Everybody look at Tanner right now. He's on the spot. Tanner's on the spot, and he's, he's doing his very best to make a man. Hurry up now. Come on. We don't have all day. Some people would like to get out of here and eat. Brother Tanner's making a man right now. You know who else made a man? 
God did, right? Now, I want to show you, Tanner is, is smart, and he may or may not be the smartest person in this room. I don't know. He could be. He's, he's probably smarter than I am. But, but I want you to understand that Tanner is doing his dead-level best right now to take a child's toy and create something. Just taking this. Are you about done there? He's about done. All right. Look at that. That's pretty good, isn't it? Man, you need to look into Play-Doh sculpting as a career. What a wonderful little man. I'm going to put this in my office. If anybody knows how to preserve Play-Doh, let me know. But Tanner, being one of the smartest guys in here, if I take this piece of Play-Doh and I lay it right here, you know what it's going to do? It's going to sit there until I come back and pick it up. Now, Tanner, I want you to do something a little better than this. I want you to hold your hand out, and I want you to make that alive. Come on. Make it live. Do something. <laughs> On your very best day, the most powerful day of your life, could you do anything with that besides make this? All right, you can go be seated now. I want you to understand this, that God created man out of clay. You believe that this morning? We believe there's a God, amen? We believe that this morning. And we believe that God created man. And that God not only created man, but then after he created man, he did something that separates him from anybody that has ever lived. He looked down at that man and he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. How powerful is God this morning? But I want you to understand this. That, that God not only created man, but he created the stars in the sky. I looked up this week, this is according to Google. I don't know if this is right or not because Google has all the answers. That there are approximately... Somewhere between 200 billion and 400 billion stars in our universe. Somewhere between 200 billion and 400 billion stars in our universe. And the guy, that, that same guy, I, I read uh, something he said. Do you know, anybody in here know how to calculate a billion? I don't know how to calculate a billion, do you? I've never had that much money. I'll never have that much money. But let's put it in terms of seconds, okay? One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. All right, seconds. You know how long a million seconds ago was? Anybody? A million seconds ago? That was 11 days ago. All right? Now, a billion seconds ago. A billion seconds, not minutes. Seconds. A billion seconds ago was approximately... 31 years ago. Mason, you weren't even alive a billion seconds ago. Can you believe that? And yet God created how many stars? Can you wrap your mind around that? Does anybody understand how powerful God is this morning? And yet we think he's just a little bit bigger and just a little bit smarter and has just a little bit more wisdom than we do. 
I think we need to try to grasp, if we can, we never will be able to, but I think that we can grasp how big God is better than we do. We need to get it out of our mind that God is small. We need to get it out of our mind that, that God can be minimized down to, to just, just a little section and a little portion of our lives. We should know that God is in every single aspect of our life. He knows this. Did you know this? 31 years ago was, was a billion seconds ago. So there's 7 billion people on this planet, all right? I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you this morning. Some of you that are math geeks love this. Some of you hate it. 7 billion people on this planet. So 31 times 7 is what? 200, 200 and something, right? So we're now we're talking 200 years ago would get you to 7 billion people. Every person, with the exception of that guy that I accidentally insulted that day, has 100,000 hairs on their head. And the book of Matthew says that God knows every one of them. You talk about wisdom. And you talk about power. How big is God? How big is God? I want you to understand this, that those stars that were created, Tanner took something. He, he took this, this, this a block of Play-Doh like this, and he did his very best and did a good job, in my opinion, of making a little clay man that will never be anything but just a little clay dead man. But he started with this. When God created the, the 200 billion stars that are in our universe, do you know what he started with? Nothing. How powerful is God? How big is your God this morning? We all believe in Him, amen? But do we really think about just how big He is? Do you think that there will ever be anything that you could possibly face as a human being that God does not have control of? Do you think that there's ever anything you will deal with that God cannot help you through that, that God cannot deal with that? And you know what's wonderful about it? I think about how big God is and how vast He is, and I can't wrap my mind around it, but yet I, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that God also cares about me and God loves me. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. My voice is about shot, so we're going to get out of church early this morning. Some of you say amen to that. That's okay. But I want you to, to ask yourself that question. Is, is, your, is your faith standing in the power of man? And, and George would, Lord forbid that George wouldn't think this for a minute, but if you're in Georgia Sunday school class, you better not be putting your faith in George. Amen, George? If you're at this church, don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in a denomination, although I think we've got a good denomination. Amen? Don't put your faith in a man. It needs to be in the power of God. I want you to understand in the Greek, that word power has the same meaning in the English language as dynamite. That boom, it's just as powerful as we can ever imagine. And God spoke the stars into existence. He spoke man into existence. He spoke everything that we know, and yet we try to minimize God. My prayer this morning is that God would forgive me if I ever do that. 
I'll just publicly say that I have done that before. That I have faced problems and I have dealt with things and I've thought to myself and never really said it to anybody, can God really help me through this? Can God really change this situation? Uh, Can God this morning with Faith Fanning in the hospital and surgery right now, a very sick lady, can God touch that sister? Yes, He can. Why? Because He's a great big God. Bigger than, than, what is it? Bigger than any mountain, Cecil, right? Bigger than anything. Bigger than, than our minds can even comprehend. Our, our brain cannot wrap around. The wisdom of men cannot wrap around the size and the power of God. People down through the ages say that they don't believe in God for various reasons. Because they don't understand God. Do you know what one person said? They said if God is small enough to be understood, then He is not big enough to be worshipped. Amen? If we can understand some of the things that God does, then, then He couldn't be God. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying there? Some of you are dealing with sickness right now, and some of you are dealing with family problems and all that, and you've, you've often questioned, say, why do I have to deal with these things? And we all want answers to our questions. We all want our problems solved. But sometimes God does things that I don't understand and I may never understand. But you know what? That's okay because He is God. And He's bigger. He's greater than my understanding. He's greater than my power. My power is nothing compared to God. So I want you to ask yourself that question. We're going to stand and pray. Like I said, this is going to be just a short sermon. Forgive me for my voice this morning. But but that's a really just a simple question to ask yourself. Is how big is God in your life? Ask yourself that question. In fact, I would implore you to ask God that question. Say, God, how big are you in my life right now? God, are you in control of my life? God, do I trust you? Do I believe you? Do I put my faith in you? Or do I sometimes just minimize you down to just little bigger than us? I believe that if we fully believed in the power of God, we would see greater things than we have ever seen. That we could see uh, Cookville get saved, amen? We're in the buckle of the Bible belt. There's a lot of Christians here, but I I assure you there's a lot of Christians or a lot of non-Christians that still need to hear about Jesus. And if we put our faith in the power of God, guess what? Those people can be saved. One thing that I've dealt with here lately, and and I'll just make this a confession, is is I've dealt with the, the fact that I stand up here and I preach almost you know every week and I pour my heart out and we don't see anybody get saved right Cecil I'm I'm just being honest with you okay and I've gotten discouraged about that and and I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I'm thinking what can I do better to see people get saved but it's not about me I've got to quit trusting in myself. It's about the power of God doing His work in His time and and, and in situations that I don't understand. How big is God? Brother Cecil sing, and then we're going to have a time. And if you need to come to the altar, please come to the altar and, and just ask God to forgive you and to help you be bigger in your life. Brother Cecil, sing for us.